the Gospel of John is unique amongst the four Gospels for a number of different reasons. One of them, which I find fascinating, is the amount of attention and detail that the Apostle John gives to the night before Jesus' crucifixion. Chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 record one night, the night before his crucifixion. And yet tonight, we are here to reflect on the crucifixion. But John gives us so much attention the night before because in every teaching and instruction and command that Jesus gives as his final words to his disciples, they are to remind them why he has come into the world. They are to prepare them for what he is about to do. And it is to encourage them to go through it. We've been studying the last several weeks these I am statements of Jesus, which gives us a picture of who Jesus is. And in John 14, in the middle of this evening, Jesus is going to give us another one of those. He is going to say to his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So as we read this brief passage and then reflect on it, let us keep in mind that he is saying all of this in the shadow of the cross. Let us read John 14, verses 1 through 7. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have not told you that I go now to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself. There where I am, you may also be. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Heavenly Father, we want to know you and see you. And we pray now through your word and your spirit, you would be made known to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There he is again, making an exclusive claim about who he is in relationship to others. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And this claim that Jesus makes would have been just as hard to take in, 
hard to swallow. It would have been as offensive in his day as it is today. The ancient world was in many ways pluralistic, just like today's society. And by pluralistic, I, I, mean, I mean this. Hey, you can believe what you want to believe. Just keep it to yourself. Don't impose it on me. The Jews in the Roman world were allowed to be Jews and worship God and not devote themselves to Caesar as long as they kept it to themselves. A pluralistic society is like this. Everyone is sort of around a mountain, and we're all looking up the mountain, and at the top of the mountain is the goal. It's, it's God or heaven or eternal life, or, 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 or however you want to describe that goal, a pluralistic society, everyone's around the mountain, looking up the mountain and saying, all right, this is the path I'm going to take to get there. You can go up your side of the mountain. You can go up your side of the mountain. I'm going to go up my side of the mountain. Just don't tell me that I'm wrong and you're right. And it's into that kind of society that Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one can get to God apart from me. It was just as offensive in his day as it is in ours. He is saying, if you want to be saved, if, if you want eternal life, if you want to go to heaven when you die, if you want to have full and abundant life now that will go on forever, if you want that, you have to come through me. It is a dangerously exclusive claim. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I love how one theologian uh, puts it so beautifully, he, writing in the Middle Ages, he writes this, I am the way and the truth and the life. Without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. Without the life, there is no living. I am the way which you must follow. I am the truth which you must believe. I am the life for which you must hope. Jesus is making an exclusive claim. Apart from him, apart from faith in Jesus, you cannot come to God. Now, I think, though, that there is a difference between the way that Jesus says this exclusive claim and the way that we tend to either say it ourselves or hear it from others. Whenever anyone makes an exclusive claim, whether it be religious or a moral or ethical claim, what they are doing, they are driving a wedge between themselves and the person that they're talking to. They are saying, I know the truth and you don't. And it comes from the source of arrogance, superiority, and pride. It says, I'm on the inside and you're on the outside. 
This is why it is so offensive. It's because it creates division. It pushes people away. I know that it's even hard sometimes when I talk about my faith. I worry that what people are hearing is me pushing them away. But what Jesus is saying, he is not driving a wedge between himself and those who hear him. Jesus, in making this exclusive claim, is actually inviting us to experience something in him that we can't find anywhere else. He, he is moving towards whoever is listening to him and saying, come and experience the love that you have longed for your whole life. All throughout the Bible, God has always moved toward his people. That's what Jesus is doing here. I mean, think about the Exodus and how God came down in the burning bush to speak to his people through Moses and then led them out of slavery. God heard their cries and moved toward them. And then in the wilderness, and then in the promised land, when God wanted to move toward them and come down and be amongst them in the temple, he made a way by giving them this system of offerings and sacrifices, which can be offensive, but it was God's gift so that he could move toward them. God is always moving towards his People, and we can see this most supremely in the incarnation of Jesus. When, when we celebrate Advent, we sing songs about the word Emmanuel, which means God with us. God has come down with us. God has moved towards us. And so when Jesus says this, he's not driving a wedge He's inviting us to see that in a world of people around the mountain looking up at God, God has come down the mountain to be with us. When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he is inviting us to see that in himself is God. That, that God has come in the flesh to be with his people. He even says this in verse 7. He says, If you had known me, then you would have known the Father. But now you do know him and you have seen him. When we look at Jesus, we see God. The words of Jesus are the words of God. The actions of Jesus are the actions of God. He does everything according to his Father's will. Jesus is God in the flesh. 
the, the second person of the Trinity who has enjoyed relationship with the Father from before time even existed. He has come to make the Father known. He is the image of the invisible God. Jesus has come to reveal God. That's why he can say something as exclusive as, you can't come to the Father except through me. Because he alone is God in the flesh. Jesus reveals God to us. And in the Gospel of John, this idea of Jesus revealing the Father to us, it climaxes tonight. On Good Friday, at the crucifixion, Jesus makes God known to us. I love how D.A. Carson, theologian, puts it this way. The supremely revealing event when God displays himself in Jesus with the most startling glory, the moment when the Father is the most powerfully glorified in his Son, lies in the glorification of Jesus, the death and exaltation of Jesus, which is now immediately ahead. He is telling his disciples, do not worry, do not let your hearts be troubled. Yes, I am going to the cross, but I am the way, the truth, and the life. I have to go to the cross. And so when we look at the cross, when we look at Jesus dying, we see the way to God. We see the truth of who God is. We see the life of God who died for us. And so, let me conclude briefly in this way. Because of the death of the Son of God, we can come to God. Because when we look at the cross, we see his love for us. We, we see his love poured out for us. We can see it in two primary ways. The first, we see his love for us when we see the value of the sacrifice that it cost the Father. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. God gave his only son for you. The one whom he loved. The one whom he had been with for eternity past. Yes, he gave him up when Jesus stepped out of heaven and became man but on the cross, Jesus absorbed in his body all of the punishment for your sin and my sin. And the wrath of God was poured out on him. And Jesus experienced the greatest fear and darkness ever. Separation from his father. Because he loved you. 
That was the cost of his love. But we see his love a second way also when we ponder and look at the degree of our unworthiness to receive that love. Yes, the father loved the world that he gave his only son. But when we meditate on that some more, we realize that it wasn't just God's love for us that sent Jesus to the world. But it was your sin and my sin that he came to die for. It was our sin that held him there hanging on a cross. He died because of us. I love how the Apostle Paul talks about our unworthiness. He says, for a righteous person, yes, someone might die in their place. And maybe even for a good person, you might find someone to die in their place. But God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. While we were God's enemies, Christ died for us. We remember the crucifixion in order to see the depth of God's love for us. It is Good Friday. It is good news. And that good news is that that love can be yours. It can fill your heart. It can sustain you when you feel lifeless. It can find you when you feel lost. That love can be yours when you come to Jesus because Jesus is the way to God, the truth of God, and the life of God. Because he is the way, truth, and life, we can be loved by God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do not deserve your love.